If we care, we have this enthusiasm and passion that Christ has for the lost, then we will be disciplined and we will engage our hearts and our minds in a way because we care about them. So come with me and we will consider this morning, what did Philip say to this unit? So let's look at this first and then we'll go from here. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And it continues this particular verses in Isaiah 53. And it says, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? 
and he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. So the first thing I notice is the involvement of the spirit. And then I see that Philip asks a good question. Asking questions is critical with evangelism and conversion. And so he asked him a question. And then we notice that the eunuch, he's a seeker. He wants to understand and he's humble enough to accept help in understanding. He's going to allow God's servant to help as well as the involvement of the Spirit. All three of these things are key to evangelism and conversion. But let us come to Isaiah. So come with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Let's consider some of the things that are there that Philip may have pointed out to the eunuch in helping him see that Jesus is the good news and that there was a response that the eunuch needed to make. Now, as we come to chapter 52 of Isaiah, I want to point out first that he's talking about Israel's release from Babylonian captivity, but in chapter 52, as it gets towards the end, it goes beyond that to the deliverance from sin that's made possible through this servant. So Isaiah would write, my servant, talking about this servant that would later be described as a suffering servant, and of course can be equated to the Messiah, if we're using Hebrew, or the Christ, if we're using the Greek. But notice towards the end of chapter 52, verse 13, this servant will be exalted. Verse 14, the servant will be treated shamefully. Verse 15, the servant will sprinkle or startle the nation. It speaks of startle, then perhaps it's talking about the astonishment that, yes, he has marred visions, but yet he's exalted. Or if it's speaking about sprinkle, maybe it's emphasizing the cleansing and purifications of the nations that would come from my servant. But nonetheless, we come into chapter 53, it flows, and we look at the first three verses of chapter 53. Philip could have pointed him here to make several points that, of course, show Jesus to be the fulfillment. But we see in verses 1 through 3, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed when he grew up before him? like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus, or my servant, he was rejected by men oftentimes ponder what it would be like to have Jesus upon the earth today. What would he be like in social media? We know he's not attractive in, in appearance, but would he have been attracted on social media? He would have offended a lot of people. Jesus himself said, blessed are those who are not offended by me. But if you read the gospels, he would have offended many. So would he have had a large following on social media because of the offense? I don't know, our culture probably would have tried to cancel him for sure. But Jesus had a marred visage, and yet he would be exalted in God's life, but not among men. Men would reject him. Now, if we come to verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. 
Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned, everyone, to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What is the reason for the suffering of the servants? Us, sinful man. Think about John chapter 20. The nails being driven through his hands. John 19, the spear being thrust into his side. These things that we read about, he suffered before and during the crucifixion. And why did he suffer? Our sin. Perhaps Philip made these points to the eunuch in showing him Jesus, preaching Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And of course, we haven't got to the good news just yet. But coming to verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. The servant would totally submit to the suffering. Jesus did not resist. Paul wrote to the Christians at Philippi and said that he was obedient unto death, paying the price for others. He willingly suffered and died for us. For you, Mr. Yu, he died for you. And coming to verse 10, to finish out chapter 53, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors, victory and reward in the service. Philip able to point the unit to Jesus and see that Jesus overcame and died, but overcame the pains of death in his resurrection. So man killed Jesus, but God raised man. And I feel like at that point, as Philip is guiding the unit to understanding Jesus being the fulfillment of these things that Isaiah said, he would have had to come in and made some of the points that we read in Acts by, Peter, by people like Peter and Paul. So I make some of those points here. Acts chapter 2, Peter told the crowd that it was Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you. So the unit, you can, you can read or you can hear the people that saw these things, these witnesses, that he was attested by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him. And it was this Jesus that was raised up by the definite plan and foreknowledge of, of God, but it was the Jews. It was them that crucified him, but God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for death to hold him. 
will it properly even acknowledge the work of the Spirit? We saw that when we read in Acts chapter 8 that I think there was evidence that the Ethiopian eunuch would have seen the evidence of the Spirit in Philip working. And even in his disappearance there at the end. And seeing that as a manifestation of God raising Jesus and then pouring out the Spirit on the apostles. And the apostles laying their hands upon Philip and here's the Spirit at work. He would have shown or could have shown the eunuch what the Spirit was doing. Further evidence that Jesus is that Messiah, is that Christ, is that suffering servant that they were reading about in Isaiah. But further, as we come into Acts chapter 13, some of the things that were made there from Paul, he said that further the raising of Jesus being the good news, the fulfillment of that God had promised to the fathers and now being realized that it is through Jesus that forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. And by Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And I think the eunuch could have been struck by that, thinking about dealing with the law of Moses, even in reading the prophet and trying to understand. Jesus can even free you from the things that the law of Moses cannot. Jesus is the way, as Mike Tucker pointed out to us earlier. So perhaps at this point, I think there's been plenty of evidence from Mr. Eunuch that he might come back and become the seeker that he is and ask another question. Well, what does this mean? I mean, I agree. So God made Jesus both Lord and Christ. But what do I need to do? Perhaps that's the question that the eunuch might ask. And then, of course, he would have been able to tell him the same thing that Peter or Paul would have proclaimed in some of those sermons or like Peter specifically, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And whether he was still talking to the eunuch or not, at some point, the eunuch speaks up and says, see, here is water. See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And then they both go down into the water. And Philip baptizes the eunuch, comes out, Philip's taken away by the spirit, and the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. So it comes to the obvious point this morning. Is there anybody among us who understands like the eunuch and is seeking and wants to render obedience to Jesus Christ? He has loosed the pains of death, he has victory, and the only way that we can have it is through him. He's the way. So if you come to that understanding and you need to do something about it, why not now? There's water. So if you have courage, then stand and come as we sing praises to our God. And we will praise your obedience this morning if you have the courage to come and be baptized for the remission of your sins. So please, if that's you, come as we stand and sing. <laughs> 